0: Uh, Chris can you hear us
1: I can hear you now yes I can good morning All
0: right good morning good to see you buddy um, see we were you. talking about some of these uh, uh, so-called red flag players Galen Carter you know being most notable this year potentially teams some teams might take him off the board I was bringing up Warren Sapp as recently as Laramie Tunsell's guys falling a little bit um well, take us into that process, Chris. Uh, how teams sort of um, decide uh, whether all right, this is too big of a risk, and when it, you know, that risk-reward cost-benefit analysis, when does it make sense? How do you guys decide that type of thing?
1: Well, to me, the the, the way you do it or should do it is you, just like you grade the player football-wise. You got to grade him medically, and you got to grade him character-wise. So you have to look at every situation, um, and you have to study it. Not just what, you know. I, I would say this: that the media and the fans know about maybe three percent. Wow. Of, of of you know because they that just might be
0: were, high, Chris.
1: Maybe <laughs> about about what what's truly going on with these guys. So they got a lot more information now. What you do with it? Is up to you. You you need to put a grade on him. So the way I always did it, you hear this, you take a guy off the board. It, it, there's no such thing as taking a guy off the board. That's a yeah. no, that, that means that you wouldn't take him. You can't take a guy off the board. Somebody else might take him. He stays on the board. So here's the way you do it, in my view. You grade the player where his football ability puts him. So, like, for example, I had Randy Moss number one on our board. But you got to – we called it a shield. I, you know, those little color shields that kind of – a different color is a determination. Character, drugs, you know, medical. You put a shield on. So you'd like to take a clean player. A player doesn't have that early. Why? Because you've got more good options early. But you never take a guy off the board because at some point yeah. you might consider taking him way later than somebody else might. But, you, you know, so that's the way you do it. You, As I like to say, because a guy has off-the-field problems, doesn't make him smaller or slower. Yeah. I mean, you can't let it affect football ability. Now, it'll affect whether you take him or not. I had Randy Moss. We weren't going to take him. I, I knew we wouldn't. My first year at Tennessee, I and mean, then I have somebody with his background. I mean, they couldn't take him. So that's fine. But I'm not going to put him in a fourth round because that's where – no, you'll put him in the first round so that in in theory in the second or third round, you can have a deep discussion. Look, the chances of player A, B, C, D, and E of making our roster of these guys are not very good. This guy may not make it for character reasons, but at this point it's worth taking. And, All right, at Chris- some, you
2: know, that's that, so – Let me talk timing with you. We're 10 days away from the draft. Uh, I'm assuming that they at least have a rough draft, pardon the pun, of what their draft board is gonna look like on draft night. How much viability is there? How much movability is there? Are you going into the big board room twice a day, three times a day? How is the process ongoing 10 days out? What does the board look like? Or do they just have it all written on pieces of paper? And yeah. we don't put the board up until X amount of days or X amount of hours before no, the draft. No, the board's not done. And I'm going to
1: tell you, explain why. And and I've been involved in it for a week and a half, two weeks. Everybody's in meetings. Okay, you take one or two days for each position. And you literally go over every player that is in the earlier meetings you go over every player. Now you only go in detail on any player that's draftable, or you would sign as an undrafted free agent, the way we did it anyway, or better. So you go through the receiver, and that's the biggest group. For example, you go player A, hey, Jody McDonald. Well, love you, Jody, but you know he's on our reject board. We're, you know we're, we're,
2: we're not we're not discussing him. You know, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. oh John, I, I've lost I've lost my first step. Yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah. Good oh,
1: call on, by you, oh, Scott on, Landry. On, on John, you know, okay, we gave him a, a late-run grade. Every,
2: oh, all right. You
1: know, I'll, just I'll wait take I'm, I'm just, I'm just making this up, of course. Right. You guys having fun. Okay, so we're going to talk. Every scout that's seen him, every coach that's seen him. Remember, in the earlier meetings, the coaches hadn't been involved. The trainer's in there. So we go through. Every, everybody that's seen the guy will read the report. Then we have a tape on John because everybody that we would consider signing or drafting, we've got a profile tape, 40 or 50 plays. We will look at them together, every one of them. It takes a long time to do this. When you're done at the end of the day or two days, however long it takes to get through that position, then you go through. And, guys, you know, this is where you argue. Well, the receiver coach likes this guy a little bit better. This, you hash you through that so your board's not set until all your meetings are done. Now when are all your meetings done? I like to have all of the the position boards done a full like right about now. I would be finishing it up probably if if I haven't done this weekend today or tomorrow so that then I would spend time on the horizontal board. Best players regardless of position. And then I'd work through that systematically. And I would leave, and, and by the way, when you go through every player, after it's all done at the football people talking, you got the character assessment, the psychological mm-hmm. evaluation, the trainer gets in. Okay, he's a he's a two-plus medical, which has got a red shield. All right, well, why? What are the prognosis? Is he just a two-plus now? And when that's healed in a month, now he'll be fine. Well, you take the shield off, okay? You know, so you go through all of that and any character issues you go through. And I like to leave, have all the board done three to four days before the draft to allow for working through scenarios, working the phones. I just like to have built-in days so that if we need to rework something, it might be, guys, we're just banging our heads on fifth-round graded safeties. And we got eight of them. And and we're just, we can't get them in the right arm. And we just say, listen, you, you, we're going to stay in here. And I ain't bringing you any food in (laughs) until we get them in the right sleeping arm. You know, so, I mean, you go through that. Um, You know, things like that. I wanted to leave extra time. So that's what people were doing. So to answer your question yeah, you don't have your board done a week from now. And what do you do, sit around and just drink coffee and do nothing? Of course. You're oh, going yeah, you
2: put it up, but, yeah. but you got to be viable. You go back, you revisit, you revisit, yeah. you revisit. You got to do that. You change, you, you change, that. you change. And then what I always did was I
1: sat in when it's all done. I sat in and I brought in just the coaches and say, all right. What do you have a problem with? You're not to hurt anybody's feelings. I didn't want any. I, I told them everybody had to check their ego at the door. Tell me, well, I think this so and so got it's ridiculous. Know, and all right, make a note. Then I bring in just a scout, person up, and have them do the same thing. So, I, even though I tell people check their ego in the door, people tend to be intimidated by other people, personality wise. So I wanted to have anybody's opinion to make sure that there's something there that they're seeing because I wanted, I wanted it to be an organizational decision. I think that's the biggest thing. So to answer your question at this process, a week and a half out, you, you're close to getting done your positional meetings, then the horizontal board and, and then, and then you go through these other scenarios, which take a little time. If it's the last two or three days and everything's all been done, you work the phones, you try to find out information, you got to sift through the BS versus, you know, you are talking with people. Mostly, no one's going to tell you what they're going to do, but somebody might give you intel about what they think somebody else is going to do because maybe they talked. And, and, you know, if, when you're around the league enough, you know, who knows who and, you know, who they're good friends. So I know, oh, Jody and John talk and they're good buddies So if Jody says something about what John teams might do and vice versa, I might pay a little bit more attention to that than if it's somebody that I know that they're in the same division and they don't, (laughs) you know, as you say, they don't G haw together. They don't, they don't get together uh, that often.
0: Uh, Chris, you mentioned it a little bit uh, by having that sort of bring the coaches in. Um, That to me is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. That's the spot where things can change a little bit when you bring the coaches in and, and obviously they have their philosophies, their schemes they want to run. Is that where you see the biggest upheaval when they start getting involved? When you, cause yeah. you, you guys are doing this all year, the scout, the personnel people and the coaches are obviously preparing for games. They don't have time to watch college football and they come in and, and they have different opinions and is, is, and, and you're, sort of history is that where the biggest upheaval comes
1: yeah it is but keep in mind and this is why people say well guys are moving up and down the board they're not moved players are not moving up and down the board no i know the 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 coaches only get involved after the season as you mentioned well they're looking at film from the time their season's over along with free agent film and and so that's where that's why i say you know well they shouldn't change the board since december oh You're not even close to being done because in December, look, if I go in and I I look at a player from Penn State and I was in there, the scout was in there, whoever's in there on October 15th. Well, you got to, by the time you're done, I mean, October 15th, you're not grading them on November games. They they haven't been played yet. So you got to go back and look at more tape. Scouts do, the cross checkers, meaning the, 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 the directors and what have you. And then the coaches get involved uh, because they're looking at all the tape and they're just getting involved. So you got to combine that together. Now, certain organizations, the Eagles, for example, the Eagles, their coaches have run the draft because Howie's not a football guy. He kind of gets a collaborative effort. The scouts get the background. The scouts kind of get the initial and the coaches really drive that. It has through different head coaches, including the current one. Um, they may not say that, but that's how it's done. Certainly,
0: certainly was buddies. when Andy was here.
1: <laughs> huh? What's that? When,
0: when Andy was here, it was certainly, certainly that way. Andy. Yeah,
1: and, yeah. And it is now. I mean, you know, it's just that, you know, the difference is, is egos will allow other people to get credit, but you know, it's not like Howie Roselman's looking at film and saying, who's better than the other. That's not what he does. It's he's more the organizer and build consensus. So they've got people there that, that are, that are strong football people in personnel that that has a good understanding coaches. I always wanted my scouts to have a coaching background because I don't want them to agree with the coaches. I want them to see the game like a coach would as well. Um, But here's the other thing. It's human nature. Coaches want to coach guys that are easy to coach. One guy has more ability It's going to take more effort. It's going to be more of a headache to coach the guy. The other guy is easier to coach and not nearly as good. What you've got to do is sometimes get them to understand, look, it ain't all peaches and cream, okay? You're going to have to. This is the guy that's the better player. And, yes, he's going to be harder to coach. He's a little hard-headed. And you got to spend extra time with him because he's not. He's a visual learner. He's not a guy that can go, you can trust with the iPad, and he's got it. You're gonna have to it's like a teacher. A teacher loves to teach, maybe. But does he like to spend time, you know, does he like to teach and then, or does he does he like to spend tutorials after school with certain students that need extra work? You gotta work through that. These are things that people don't realize that go on. You you've got to work it. And I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna force somebody, but I'm just gonna say that. We're going to take a guy for you that's easy to coach because you're lazy. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So you got to look through all of that. And you got to know that. And then here's the other thing. You say this, you know, depending on your staff. When I was uh, with the, the Orler slash titans we had four of us that were scouts. We ran the draft. There, there, was only, there wasn't any, you know, it's like, well, we got this. That's it. Well, we had, like, basically – most of the country to cover. And I would try to look at everybody, but you didn't have that many evaluations. So really what you thought was pretty much it. Bigger organizations, Eagles are one of them, and most teams are this way. You got more information, more people giving opinions. So you got to scout the scouts. You know, and one scout that loved everybody. So that guys that were really belonging in the third round were given first-round grades. Then I got another guy that, I mean, he just, the glass was half empty. I mean, he had half of the first round with third-run grades. He <laughs> didn't want to get out there. Well, guess what? I kind of knew that old Dub, God rest his soul, he's done, and old Glenn, God rest his soul, he's done, he's passed. I, I could kind of figure out if they saw the same guy, I can pretty much figure out that one guy was going to have a 6'4 grade on him one of them was going to have a 5'5 five, five grade on him. And you, you you know what I'm saying? So you yeah. figure that out. Same with yeah. coaches. I could sit there, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was about. To, I was about to mention his name. I shouldn't say. But I'd have a D-line coach that would come in and and say, "Um, you know, I'd say, hey, look at these three guys." He'd come back 15 minutes later and say, "I like this," and I'm like, uh, "Yeah." So you got on the phone and called your buddy at the Vikings, and that you come up and "Get the bleep Ooh. out of my way," and you and I don't give a sh. <laughs> Excuse me, which you which whereas you go to Mike Munchak and I'd say, look at these linemen. I trusted what he said. He did his work and he was good at it. And so if he saw something different than I did, then I wanted to do extra work to see, not you know, to agree with them, but just to see if I was missing something or whatever. Or he might be missing something. But you gotta know who you're dealing with. Some of these guys are not very good. They, yeah, they my, very my father told
2: me, Chris, as a general manager, sometimes it was tougher to scout the scouts than it was to scout the players. That yeah. You had to understand the information you were getting and who's a glass, yes. glass half-empty and who's a glass half-empty Yeah, and, and half who, has good,
1: who has good yeah. information?
0: I'm the half-empty guy, by the way. Yeah, <laughs>
1: if, if, you're a, if you're a scout, this is why experience matters. I always, until you had five years of at least scouting players and you know what the league is all about, I always had to cover you up with another scout because your 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 evaluation was was limited in knowledge. So you better you better have at least five years of not doing stuff on you know in the media. I'm talking about five years of actually working in the league before your 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 opinion could be valued, not because of any capable, just experience it takes. The other thing is on background information. Um, you know, the longer you've been around this, the more coaches, you know, and coaches like college coaches, they will travel and they they get fired, move on. If you have relationships, like I always felt like I could go to certain coaches that I knew because maybe I helped them get jobs or, you know, whatever. And they would tell me the, the, the real story on the guy would never reveal his name or would not do it in the room or not, but, but you would you would know it. If you don't have a lot of experience and they don't know you, the, the strength coach or the equipment manager or, or the support staff, or, they're just going to give you the generic stuff and not really get into it. So, like if you ask anybody, any media person or most scouts, they're not going to say a bad thing about Jalen Carter in this time at Georgia. If you know who to talk to, you might see that he's had a little bit of a bad side to him that they've been able to control. You need to get good information. And then with that information, you can do the psychological tasks and you can do all those other things that I stay out of. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trained. Medically, I'm not trained. And all I'll say to the doctor is have some onions, okay? Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't sit there and tell me, well, I'm just kidding. I'll make the bleeping decision. Just tell me what the guy is medically. Give me an example of what he, you know, a, a player that we've had in the past that had the same knee injury or whatever. I, right. I can figure, you know, so though you're just trying to get through that. And so, yeah, evaluating the evaluators are every bit as important as evaluating the players because that's what
2: you're trying to get to. All right, Chris, you gave us some great information on how the process works. Now we need an actual evaluation of a player. Bijan Robinson has been the most talked about guy leading up to the draft here in Philadelphia because uh-huh. the, the Eagles are at number 10. They could surely use an upgrade at running back, but the valuation of a running back at the 10th pick in the draft, people question how good is this kid in comparison to the running backs in the last two years, five years, 10 years, do you evaluate it that way, comping it to players that have come and gone? Or is it all about him against everyone else who's in the draft this year?
1: Well, you, you, no, you, you all both. I mean, you, you got to compare him to how good a player he is, comp- how he projects to the league. So, so how does he compare into the league and what type of a back in this case and how good and what's his upside has to be evaluated? He might be the best back in the draft. Well, that's only compared against the other guys. So does that make him, you know, so that's why it's important to use measurables as well. You know, I always say, well, look at the film. Film tells you everything. No, it doesn't. It tells you everything about how a guy did at the college level against that competition. But the measurables help to project how well will this guy do compared to other guys that are in the league that made it or didn't make it. Um, B. John's leap pass catcher good ball skills, really good body control, love his instincts, good feel for the ball, can anticipate, hit the hit the hole uh, with a nice little burst. He doesn't have great um, speed. Um, you will get loose hold on the ball at times, but he's, he's a good back. He's the three down back. You've got to grade him regardless of need, regardless of anything, grade him on where you have. I think he's, in my opinion, first round grade. I think he's the top fifteen player in this draft, which you have to decide. And this is gets to maybe to answering your question in a rounded way. When you set up that board, you need to put guys, you have to grade your board regardless of need. And and so your board has integrity. Then what you have to decide is everybody says the best player available. Well there's the best player available is where are the grade tiers? How many guys with 7-4 to 7 grades? Probably three in this draft. Two or three, depending on the team. Then you got maybe 6-9 to 6-5. Probably got about 11 or 12. He's one of those. So it, what it means is if you've got player four, player three to four, there's probably a big gap. Player four to 11 or 12, no difference. Pretty much the same grade. So, what you have to decide is, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've got players four through 12, let's say, same grades, you look at who's the cleanest. You, you go through all that. Then you can factor in not only what's maybe your biggest need, but by setting up your draft board vertically and horizontally, vertically, you can see where is there more depth at our need positions. In this draft, in other words, is it more likely that we can get a running back that can be a really good fit for us in the second, third, fourth round? Let's look at the board, where the clusters are, if we've graded them correctly. Or is somebody like a good pass rusher still available that with the same grade? And so this is where people kind of get, well, I I saw on the website, somebody had, you know, this guy fifth and 12th. 5 and 12 in terms of grades are the same. So you got to know how they're graded before you stack them up and where the clusters are. So my answer is, yeah, really good player. But if he and Tyree Wilson on the board, for example, well, you know, you have to look at, pardon me, where there's greater value. And usually it's going to be the big guys, the pass rushers. That's why backs get pushed down because they're more fungible. They're more, of them and you're not going to get b john robinson in a third round but you can get a really good one so and then you have to look at it. the other thing i'd say and i, and I apologize for going so long it is that y- you also look at a team's needs now but you also have to look and a lot of what they do in terms of addressing needs in free agency or the draft is usually a lot of times a year away it tells you a little bit about Contract here, contract there, and they're often drafting a replacement a year from now this year, which is a good thing if you can do it and you've got enough stability in your organization. So, B. John's a good player. Is he the right pick for the Eagles? Sure, he could be. Is he the best pick for the Eagles? Can't answer that. Don't know who's (laughs) going to be on the board yet when they're picking it Then, So, we're going to have to wait and see.
0: At Landry Football, uh, LandryFootball.com, Chris, the best in the business. We always appreciate it. Only got a couple minutes, but I I know you do consulting for teams, so I don't want to pin you down, but I I do want to pin you down positionally because I think we've gotten spoiled the last couple years at wide receiver. We have these great wide receiver classes. This one doesn't seem as good as – am I correct there? What would you say are the deepest positions in this draft?
1: Well, I think receivers are deeper. I don't think the receivers are as good um,
0: at the top. top. top.
1: I don't think there's as many elite guys. And I think even a guy like a Jordan Addison that's very productive, I wonder how productive. I think that there's – when you look at the overall position, I think there's some good receivers. I think there's some good tight ends. I think there's some good corners. There's some depth there. Uh, I don't like the defensive tackle population nearly as much as I – you know that I've had in the past. I think we've had now. Somebody spoil. We've had some good interior defensive linemen. Uh, I just don't like this group, and I think you got to be really careful. Which I think is going to help a guy like Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter is one of the top three players in this draft. You've just got to navigate how much of a risk you feel that is. But there's a huge drop off. In Fact, I don't think there's a first round defensive tackle outside of him. I think there'll be wow. two or three or four guys go in the first round. Remember, I've got uh I've got 17 first round grades. That's probably yeah, one or two
2: 32, Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's a that's a normal, by the way. Uh, yeah. so second round guys have to go in the first round. Uh I think there's I think you can find some edge rushers. I think there's some good depth there. I like that. I like what you can get. Into the late first round, I love some second-round uh, value. They're, you can get you a good pass rusher deep into the second round. Love it, and I think that's including two or three of those guys with second-round grades that are going in the first round, like Ojalari of LSU, Smith, McDonald of Iowa State. There's some really good players. So those, those are some of my thoughts on depth. And to your point, and, and there are 32 different boards, most teams will have less first-round grades because – they're only grading them for them. So, like, for example, a linebacker for Bill Belichick is not going to be able to play for Pete Carroll and vice versa. They're both good coaches. They're both really good, but styles and systems dictate. So, when I look at a guy, I may have maybe a couple of more first-round grades in a lot of teams because I'm doing it for all teams. So, like, I'll see a guy and I know, well, this guy's a first-rounder, this team, value-wise, but he wouldn't be for another team uh, just because of schematic differences and stylistic differences and what you're looking for. And that's the other thing too, receivers. You know, you mentioned receivers. Well, what, there's no longer, I don't call them wide receivers. Wide receivers are X yeah, and Z, Z receivers.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, you got small slots, you got big slots, you've got Y flex, got, you know, so what are your receivers? You've got to have them in different, well, what, I don't like this guy's speed. He's a, he's a 220 pound guy, you know, and he's, you know, he's I mean, he's not going to run like the five ten guy. So I said, who's the fastest receivers, How, your speed on any position is relative to your body mass and your, you know, your body size. So, so I think you got to weigh all of that in. And what are you looking for? And so that's why sometimes I think guys have value, but greater value, From one team to another than and maybe lesser value to the other team.
2: Chris, uh, Coach Nick here in town likes to talk about liking goal guys who like (coughs) to play ball. Like ball. He uses the the phrase ball a lot. Let's talk ball. That's why we like having you on, because you like talking ball. You're great at talking ball. We talk ball every single day. We appreciate it when we get a guy like you to talk ball with us. know you're going to be busy these next 10 days. Thanks for carving out 25 minutes for us today. Appreciate hey, it, big guy.
1: Thanks for having me. Great to be with you guys as always. Appreciate
2: you having me. Take Chris, care. Landry thanks, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. He loves talking ball. That That's quite obvious. It's, He's high
0: uh, on the Eagles board, I can tell you that. Uh, loves but,
2: ball. Uh, quick, I know we got to get our last break in he really did and i don't know if this comes from inside information or the way he used to do it compared to whatever he minimized howie's ability to uh rate football players yeah howie is just a coordinator and he puts it all on his scouts and his coaches and you don't think howie has got opinions on who can play and who can't play i would tend to disagree with that i i don't think he gave howie enough credit for Howie's ability to judge football players, when well, Howie first Howie, came into the yeah. organization, yeah, he was a he was a guy who liked football, but had to learn. Howie's got chops now. Howie's been around twenty years. You don't think that he's making the call on football players? That he's just oh, uh, he's
0: making the call. But I think where Chris is right, he's making the call. He's very cognizant of making the call. But the guys who do the heavy lifting, those are the the scouts. The you know. The Joe Douglases back in the day, the Andy Waddles, the Brandon Hunts now, um, all those guys, and and he does. He's more of an information gatherer, and in that and and from that standpoint, I mean, it's just his background. It's not a bad thing. I mean, I think people look at it as he's not a football guy. Uh, uh, you know, he's not a football guy, but so what? You know, Alec Hallaby's not a football guy either. All these analytics people. They make some good decisions as well. Um, as long as you take the information and and, and and make a good decision, that's all that matters.
2: Well, when does he become a football guy? Never? Can he well, never by, be a football but, but, guy? But again, he didn't play football back in high school or college. He's kind of been in an important role in the NFL for sneaking up on two decades. Can now he never be a football guy?
0: Yes, in their mind, yes, he can never be a football yeah, guy. Yeah, see, that's we're back just, in the we're back wrong. in the definitions. The football guys, like I'm not a football guy. You're not a football guy. We're not. You got to be involved in scouting and personnel. And in, in their minds, he's not a football guy. He just got he just got uh, graded as the best general manager in football. Um, and he's not he's, a
2: football guy.
0: Whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to call him, he's really good uh, at his job. He's really good at his job. That's how I describe him. And I got killed for calling him a top five GM. Now everybody's on board with him being number one. Um, he's really good at his job. So, you know, whether you call him a football guy or not, that's yeah. all that
2: matters. And I I, I love Chris uh, and think he's great. And his information is top drawer. I think he's unfair to Howie Roseman. All right, creaky timeout, come back. Mac Mack could put a ball in the show. Stay with us.